Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. I am once again as I always am very grateful to welcome to our podcast uh, survivors of all kinds of uh, horrible and extreme situations that involve all kinds of very cultic forms of spirituality and community. And uh, even though I am certainly not rejoicing that, um, you know, that uh, our guest tonight we're having here is, has been involved with that, I am, however, am very grateful that she has uh, volunteered and, and, and desired to come on and provide for us a perspective on this specific movement that, um, that is hers, uniquely hers, and yet so very, very similar, so very familiar. Well, we want to welcome Kim Curry. Kim, thank you for coming on to our podcast tonight, and uh, we appreciate your, your taking the time to spend with us this evening. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All um, right. I, the only reason I... You know, decided to come on your podcast was because I was hearing other people with similar stories. You know, at first, like, I was a little afraid, like, oh, well, you know, what are they going to say or do, you know, if I, you know, share my story about the victim blaming and stuff like that. But because more people are speaking out, I decided to as well. And, you know, the thing about it is, it's like at first I was, I was, you know, um, terrified at the thought of, you know, speaking publicly about this. But as more people come out, I'm like, you know what, though, I'm not the only one. So, no, by no means. By no and, means. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's scary in a way to do, but it's just like, what are they going to, you know, I mean, are they going to send me an nasty email? I mean, <laughs> Um, cause everything I'm saying is true though. That's the thing, you know, so. And that's it. The uh-huh. best, the best defense <laughs> mm-hmm. is always a good offense. And the best offense when you, when uh-huh. you're talking about something is to tell the truth. Right. And it's like, you know, like I have no reason to, you know, I have no reason to lie. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, uh, I don't think anybody else does either, you know, so. <laughs> Exactly. It's like it's like you know what would be the point of that? You know, it's but it's like they need to be called out for what they're doing to people. And the trouble is, it's like people think about a cult, they think about the FLDS, right? But they don't realize that, like you know, being you know mentally and emotionally manipulated and you know victim blaming and all that is just as damaging as what the FLDS does to people. So. Right, exactly. So it's, it's just that's exactly it. <laughs> it's, yeah, they, they make it look so good. They, we 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 like to paint cults in these, in these bright, evil-looking colors when they're when they're actually the cults are quite vanilla. And they, oh and yeah. They, yeah, and yeah, and people are like, "Oh, well, it's a non-denominational church." Well, that really doesn't mean anything. It just means no, by, it, here's the thing: it means that they play by their own rules. That's all that means. So well, it does. It really does. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. like people are like non-denominational, they got to be really cool, and they see like this place where people aren't dressing up, and they're like, oh yeah, they're non-denominational, they're great. I'm like, ah, you know what though? That's putting lipstick on a pig. Honestly, it's like, uh, it just means they play by their own rules and they do their own thing. Like it, you know, and they don't fit right. in with denomination, but what cult really does, right? So, right. Eh. you joined Xenos. Uh, how old were you when you joined, and what year? Uh, I was nine years old, and t- it was 2000. You were your dad. You, you're going uh, with your dad, right? Yes. Uh, I was nine years old, and it was 2001. So 2001 is when you started. So, mm-hmm. And you left Xenos. How old were you, and what year was that? When I was 22, and that was 2015, 2015. early 2015, yeah. Okay, so a very big chunk of your life <laughs> well Kim um, you were writing to us and, you, and of course you, you've certainly been aware of what we've been doing and mm-hmm. we have been discussing unfortunately the um, the terrible back uh, story of uh, a group called Xenos uh, Christian Fellowship which recently rebranded itself to the Dwell Community Church Yes, and uh, they've been around for quite a few years Mm-hmm. And um, on the outside, they look uh, squeaky clean and cutting edge, and they please the evangelical Christian palate. Uh, they just seem so absolutely together. They've dazzled so many. There are so many people within the evangelical world who are blissfully unaware of their mm-hmm. actual history and, and really don't necessarily read enough to learn more about it. But in any case, though, as we've said many times in the past about Xenos and other places like that, uh, not mm-hmm. all that glitters is gold. And so, therefore, right. mm-hmm. um, we are just going to uh, uh, provide for you an opportunity to kind of share your story and and your perspective on things there. And I, and I appreciate your coming on to do that. So, um, so uh, tell me why you, first of all, why you wanted to come on. I mean, you, you, you wrote to us, and as we get, I mean, we're welcome to any letter, anyone that writes to us, and we're always listening, but it's always unique to hear. Uh, why, why is it you, you like to come on and share this sort of story? Well, I think it's partially because I feel like I need the opportunity to take my voice back, if you will. Um, and another reason is... Uh, when I was first um, out of Xenos, I didn't really realize how many stories there would be that uh, would be very similar to mine. And I didn't start realizing that until um, I was out in the community and um, people would say, oh, you're in Xenos? No way. You know, I've heard, you know, this and that about that place, and I've heard that it's a cult, which, I mean, growing up, I would hear it's a cult all the time, and granted, they kind of teach you growing up what to say in response to uh, Xenos as a cult, um, now Dwell, of course, and then I started, there's a Facebook group for people that are um, out of Xenos Dwell, and um, people were posting their stories and, uh, I was relating a lot to a lot of what people were writing. And then of course there started, uh, there's billboards that were going up in Columbus about need help leaving dwell, um, go to this website or I don't exactly right. remember what it said. And then all of a sudden 
there's news stories coming up about Xenos Dwell. And then I realized I'm not crazy. Um, you know, I've been gaslighted for so many years of my life that, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize that, uh, there's other people out there that, you know, had a lot of these issues with that, uh, facility. So. Right. Well, Zenos likes to say, oh, well, there's just a handful of disgruntled people out there on God. Oh, there's no. It's a bunch of losers. And I think it's, uh-uh. like you're saying, I think it's quite a bit more than that. Yeah. Like, for example, um, I, you know, I work for the uh, hospital systems and, um, you know, I'm a registered nurse and we had, uh, one of the case workers tell me something about her sister being in Xenos Dwell and they had to get other people involved to, you know, uh, get her out of there. And it, my fifth grade teacher, she, or I guess her friend of hers was in Xenos Dwell and they alienated her from everybody that she loved. And, um, a friend of mine that's, uh, RT at a hospital said that there was a patient coming in with a suicide attempt and I guess that patient was just begging the staff there to um, not say anything to the Xenos Dwell members and I'm sitting here like yeah that that almost kind of sounds about you know correct I mean so wow but you know but Xenos always says it's it's so it, it, it's so it's so deeply caring for those who struggle, and they recommends that they get therapy. Why, why would why would a person like that be so afraid of that? I mean, I'm probably asking a very moot point here since we we've, we've discussed this before. But but why why would anyone uh, want to not let their church leaders know if they're in trouble? Well, because sometimes they will come off as you know, supportive at mm-hmm. first about mental health issues. Um, but then after a while, like if you're still struggling or not getting better, it's kind of like, well, why are you not getting better? You know, you're not praying hard enough. You're not doing this. You're not mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, so they, they basically look at you and say, well, if it's not working. It's because you're not trying hard enough. Do it, do it harder. Do it better. Yeah, and performance. Oh yeah, and I know for me it was I um started struggling with an eating disorder when I was about twelve years old, and it started out as like like purging disorder. I mean, mm-hmm. not as you know, and um it spiraled into anorexia, and I remember some of the members saying. At this point, it's your own fault. It's your own sin and vanity. And they said, vanity, vanity, driven to insanity, and you're a fool not to see it. And I will never forget that quote. Um, It's like they were. They said that? Actually said that to you? Yeah. Actually, I mean, it was, it was, that one in particular was (laughs) over a text, but yeah, I mean, but they, but in person, they said, at this point, it's your own sin and vanity. It's your own fault. So, so this is like a Xenos kind of proverb that's circulated around. It's, a, it's really a thought-stopping cliche. It's really yeah. meant to turn the blame back on you. you so, was this something they used? They did quite regularly with you and others, or? Well, I mean, at that time, I was uh, the only um, 
person in my home church with, you know, anorexia nervosa. Um, <laughs> but I remember one time, uh, one of the elders leading CT and he had mentioned a, uh, an example of selfishness was some celebrity. I can't remember. Um, but he said some, it was some celebrity and he said, this is, uh, an example of selfishness because there's all these children starving all over the world. And this person chooses to intentionally starve themselves, you know, when they could have all this food that the rest of the world can't. <laughs> and I remember, and this was before it spiraled into anorexia for me. I'm sitting there thinking like, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm making myself, you know, throw mm. up and, um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's yeah. just so. Well, we're getting a little ahead of that, but I, I do know this is a very important part of your story. Uh, so, uh-huh. so maybe we can back up just a little bit. How, how did you actually get involved in Xenos? Was this, were you, were you, um, were you recruited as a, as a college or I mean, as, as a child or I mean, how did you actually, um, uh, come under their, uh, their, uh, their orbit there? Well, my parents, so my mom and my bio dad got divorced when I was very young, like one years old or something like that. And I hadn't seen my bio dad, uh, for years. And then he came back into my life and got visitation when I was nine years old. And he started, um, taking me to Xenos with him, um, whenever he had visitation with me. Okay. So your father was involved in Xenos. He still is. Yes. He still is. Okay. All right. Uh Does he know you're doing this interview? No, I haven't spoken to him in like four years. Okay. I understand. All right. So at that point, so you, she got involved and so between that time you, you've just been kind of really, I I, I don't want to be pressing, but uh, like I said, you, you really uh, had been as a part of, um, of your, of your, of your growth. uh, You've been living with your mother. And then he came into your life and gained custody, yeah. and that's when he drew you back into uh, uh, his own life. He what he brought does. you, of course, to what he wanted to, or what he felt was the best for you, and that was to get involved with you. Well, he didn't get custody of me. He had visitation with visitation, me. Visitation, right. So, okay, correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so, he, so, when he, so when that started, when he, he, of course, he started, I guess, of course, visiting you, taking with you to, uh, to get involved. How, how mm-hmm. far did you get involved once, it, when you, when you got visitation? I mean, were you going to it regularly? I mean, how, mm-hmm. how, did, it, how did it impact you? Yeah, so I started going, uh, with him regularly. Um, he had visitation to me every other week, and then, um, I would say, uh, early middle school, I decided I wanted to see him. Uh, every weekend to go to Xenos and be involved. And okay. yeah, we were going to, and then sometimes he would pick me up extra, uh, depending. And, um, he would take me to like, I don't know, hangouts with the Xenos people and stuff. And then I would say the age of 16 is when I, uh, got like, um, deeply deeply involved with it and started uh doing things for myself as far as Enos is concerned. Mhm. Um, okay. So so from that point on you you really kind of took the route that most young children in Enos do. You you got involved with uh some of the the middle school 
mm-hmm. activities, children's activities. Yeah. We, we, did uh-huh. you go? Did you go to any of their? Uh, did you go to any of the schools, or were you still in public schools at that point? Uh, no, I was always in the public schools. Okay. Because I was living with my mom and stepdad, right. and right. but I would hang out with uh, a lot of Xenos people, even without my dad. Just kind of like you know, going over to their house and you know, other kids and stuff. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's there's no distinction. I mean, how how were you treated since you were not going to any of the major Xenos, you know, uh, schools or institutions they had out there? You were somebody from the outside, apparently coming in, dropping in. Uh, how were you treated any differently? I mean, how is it how is it that generally looked on when you're not part of the in the you know the crowd there that goes to Xenos, that that the, the the group of the, the young populace that goes there that and they're constantly seeing each other, and you're just coming in, uh, you know, literally from the cold. And, and I mean, were they were they very accommodating? Or what, what was that experience like? Uh, actually, it was because um, I would I would say that most of the kids that went to like uh, spam or blowout, which is like the CTs, like the central teachings, uh, while the adults had theirs going on, the middle schoolers would have theirs going on. Okay. Um, I would say most of them did not go to like Calumet, which is the Xenos school. Right. Um, I would say most of them did not go to Calumet. Um, and there were new kids coming in like every year, like every year. So, um, every couple of months, even I'm, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't really think that they notice like who is completely brand new and who isn't or, you know, who goes here and who goes there. Cause there were kids that lived up in Lewis center. Um, so my area of town that, uh, came to like the spam and CT meetings and all that. So, uh, they were pretty, they were, I mean, you got to understand, um, it's kind of different when you're that age compared to a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You're more moldable and stuff. So, of course, that's when they're going to start to love bombing, <laughs> you know, so. Right. So they're, they're really kind of laid back on. They're just, you're just really in, basically enjoying a uh, childhood experience. It's it's only when you get a little older, like into middle school and the high school, that's when they, they can be there. Um, their line essentially starts to harden and, and they actually yeah. begin to start become more stringent in how you're uh, how expected yeah. to live. Oh yeah. Um, I would say that, yeah, I know for a fact, like the middle school, um, CTs, uh, so like the spam, whatever they called it, that was on a Saturday. That's when they started, you know, teaching about what you should and should not be doing with like the opposite sex and, um, that's when they start kind of focusing a lot on, I would say, sexuality and sexual sin. <laughs> so that's always yeah. that's always such a fascinating, and yet at the same time hor- horrifying kind of uh, curiosity I have about why a church needs to be so hardline in terms of forcibly, and I, I, maybe the word's not, maybe forcibly wrong, mm-hmm. intention, the word, maybe the right word to use is intentionally imposing upon young hearts and minds this really, really, really cut and dried view about, about sexuality, and then making it a really big deal about how they, they, they about how your self-esteem and how your spirituality is going to be, going to be uh, uh, 
judged. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I certainly believe, you know, that it's entirely appropriate to bring the subject up and, and to, and to, uh, make, you know, a, a concern for that a part of, of, of discipling of young children. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And I don't think anybody really does. Sometimes the, the evangelical mind is just a little too prude about something like that. But I don't think I have a problem as long as it's, you know, properly done in, in a discreet way. But from everything I've heard, and you're just the next person I, that reminds me of this, of, of people from who've left Zenos and were involved with it at that point in life. It, it, sex becomes such a big deal. Gender roles yeah. become such a big deal. And, and uh, how did that kind of really uh, affect you, impact you? Did you just go with the flow with that? Or, I mean, uh, how was that, how did that really speak to you? Well, I, um, I mean, I started kind of realizing at a young age that I was, you know, uh, gay. <laughs> and so I just decided, like, um, that I was just going to, I don't know, be celibate the rest of my life. So I didn't really think about it too much. Um when okay. I found out, like, a friend of mine was, uh, from school, by the way, not Xenos, when she, when I found out that she was, like, um, having, you know, sex at a young age with her, you know, then boyfriend, I, uh, based, I, I tried to get her involved with Xenos and, uh, she just, she wouldn't have any part of that because she kind, she, I guess, had heard from other people about, you know, this place that's, you know, weird about that. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I just kind of was going around putting it in people's face about how pure I was. And I mean, I was about 14 at this time. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize, I mean, they started, I, I know like one of the, uh, spans or whatever, they had brought up like, you know, masturbation and stuff and why that's wrong. And, you know, uh, I, I just remember being a middle schooler and I think that was the first time that I had ever heard that term. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> so was this a mixed company? So it, it didn't matter. It wasn't just like a surrogate room, girls or boys. This was correct. a huge mass youth gathering. Uh-huh. We're all talking to you about masturbation. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time they did that. Yes, <laughs> that was wow. pretty young. That's just kind of like I, I, I scratch my head wondering, you know, how in the world do parents get over this? But, but you know, they've been raised that way. They're not going to question it, are they? No. Um, and I mean, here's the thing: it gets worse as you get older. Um, with the, like, I would say purity culture, if you will. Right, right. And, you know, that's kind of where, um, what, what, more so. A, excuse me, before you go any further, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what is a purity culture to you? And, and how was it expressed in Xenos? I mean, uh, I, I mean, mean it's, it's, a, it's, I think everybody understands the concept, but what is it, what was it uniquely there in Xenos about? How was it expressed? Um, base, pretty much, uh, purity culture, I would say in Xenos is you don't do anything besides like maybe some, I don't know, cuddling and maybe like a kiss, but you don't go much further than, you know, that, uh, you don't spend all your time together because then you're taking the focus off God and the church and, um, 
so you know no i uh no i don't know no fondling for example you know no, nothing right. like that just right. just uh <laughs> so the culture was evolving not, it 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 well obviously it evolved instruction on the right ways and the wrong ways to be intimate how you shouldn't be this shouldn't do that shouldn't touch here shouldn't go there <laughs> but 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 did it also involve the uh I'm, I'm sure it did, but you can tell me how how it, what it expresses you know, how how they would impose upon you uh, the wise. I mean, not, not just the do's and don'ts, but the wise. Why you shouldn't do that? And what, what, what were the unique things you Zenas would tell you about that? Um. Well, I would say that they their thing was. Um, it's one thing to sin to yourself but it I don't know have bad thoughts or whatever but when you go any further than that it's uh you're not just dragging yourself but you're also dragging another person into sin they also say that um it's like a you it's like a car it's like you if you're having if you're doing anything outside of marriage um it's like you're basically it's Basically, they're saying it's like the law of diminished return, where um, you need this, but then you get tired of that. You move on to another one, and then you need more, and then you're going to dump that person and move on to another one. And this, right. That's how you're going to float through life. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll be doomed to never have, like, a meaningful relationship. Okay. If, yeah. Okay. All right. So. Thank you. I, 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 and that's pretty much what – a lot of purity culture stands for this is that mm-hmm. you know of course xenos has its own unique take on that which we we've heard about bits and pieces here and there so so mm-hmm. thank you for sharing on that so mm-hmm. so as, as so as things as you got older you you began to feel pretty you know pretty uh good about yourself you feel like well uh i'm gay i'm i'm gonna be celibate so but uh, but that means i'm gonna be pure I mean, is, is that a fair um, thing to say, or how did no. you, you said you felt like, um, you felt, you felt really good about becoming off as, as, as a really pure person? No, so actually I kind of hated myself for being gay, and okay. I was trying to, and I was trying okay. to play the gay away, okay. um, because they don't like homosexuality. Um, but I thought, well, maybe this, you know, maybe if, here's what I thought as a kid, like when I, as a teenager, well, Maybe if I'm gay, that means that's God uh, basically saying that, you know, I would have been a, a, you know, a slut if I were straight, maybe. So he turned me gay so that way I can basically, you know, be challenged to live a celibate life. But I was just trying to, like, reason with myself as to why I was the way I was. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm glad that I didn't tell them that I'm gay because I, I don't like the way that they treat gay people so <laughs> right it's in what way yeah. does i mean is there is it within xenos i mean uh what ways are is that brought up is, is it i mean is there any kind of just really you know everything i've heard uh from from, from I mean, I, and i've spoke with other 
uh, for other former members who are gay. Uh, everything I've heard is that it's, it's almost like a, a, a dehumanizing aspect mm-hmm. to their to how they mm-hmm. treat people who are gay, yeah. who come out or who who discuss what their the is that they have same sex attractions. They, it, it's really as if they're they're treated like they're like they're these these deviants, these horrible horrible perverts. I mean, yeah, they basically say that like um, I mean I've heard uh, them. Sp- say stuff like gay people are pedophiles a lot of the time. Mm. I've heard them say all types of just awful things that are definitely not true. Um, But they will also put people through kind of like a type of like conversion therapy. And if they don't want to do that, um, then they will excommunicate them and tell them to come back like when they literally straighten their act up. When they do, when they excommunicate people and they excommunicate people over really dumb things, um, they basically want them to get eaten alive by the world and then come crawling back. So, you know, right. And I, so, I mean, I don't know. I, eventually kind of started doing my own thing when I was in high school and um in in high school was when I got involved with the uh Delashment Home Church and uh trouble was though I mean I was one way at my high school I had a girlfriend went to prom with my girlfriend but then to the church they didn't know that they didn't know that about me and it was really hard because the people at church were like my family and I knew that if I said something to them, I would basically lose my family. Right. So, right. so the day, uh, so you started getting involved with a, with a, with a home, with a house church at that point. Uh, uh-huh. how were you, how, you said you're, you're, you're in the high school years, right? Yeah. So I was never really involved with any of the high school home churches or the college home churches. Um, I started, my dad was in the Cleary Home Church, and then that broke off, and then when I was about 16, I started going to the Delashment Home Church, and I was very mature for my age, and so the Delashments mm-hmm. did not mind, and I became a part of that home church. So, okay. All right. Well, I knew Dennis, and let me tell you, I, I knew him, and I mean, I didn't know him as well as Bev and Gary, but like, you know, because I was up there, you know what I mean, like in the home church with like Bev and Gary and stuff, um, I obviously knew Dennis, and I never, he's a narcissist, and I think what happens is people are put in a position of authority and power, and it changes them, you know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like when it's, it's kind of like the Stanford prison experiment. You know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah. they, they just took normal people off the street, put them in a position of authority and power. And what happens over time, they started using it. So right. I think, I think that's kind of what Dennis is. And I think it's turned him into a narcissist. And I mean, if he wasn't already one already and, um, Honestly, like, uh, even though Bev and Gary are pretty, you know, high up elders in the church, considering the fact that they started and are running the place, I think that, um, I feel like almost Gary is a little more docile and, you know, not as bad as Dennis, but like, I feel like he's kind of a puppet for Dennis, you know, Dennis is, he's not going to change. I don't think, I mean, I I don't think he's going to change. I think he's, Dennis is going to be Dennis. So. Yeah, I I I, 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 I I totally agree with you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what that's every person 
I've spoken to has basically said about the same thing. And just by reading mm-hmm. what they do and seeing what they do, uh, I agree. I mean, he's Dennis really has just gone so far. He just he's he's almost made himself incapable of yeah. understanding that that he could be wrong and horribly wrong. So you're accepted as someone who just really could get into the the social gathering and socializing, and uh-huh. and, yeah. you, and you and they they accept you, which is wonderful. I just think yeah. it's something that everybody should get. Everybody uh-huh. should get that kind of pass, but uh, we'll leave right. it at that. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah, mean, but, but that's uh, kind of when Trouble in Paradise kind of started happening, if you will. Because I, it, it, I started challenging some of the ideas, and, okay. um, I mean, they don't like that very much. And that's when, you know, stuff was starting to kind of, you know, happen with me. And, um it just, uh, yeah, things just kind of got worse and worse. So, what were some of those ideas you began to challenge? I mean, what was it that that kind of made you kind of speak up? I mean, all different types of stuff, really. Um, for example, I was a nursing student, and uh, they um, wanted me to put, you know. Xenos before school, and I couldn't always do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was starting to kind of challenge, like, hey, if somebody leaves the uh, the church or whatever, um, why can we not, you know, why are we not supposed to really communicate that with them? I mean, um, why are we? I don't know. Um, why is it so important that we have to have like this type of commitment? I mean, that's kind of when I really started thinking for myself. So, right, right. So, what were some? I mean, were there specific incidences, specific uh, things that happened that made you start really thinking about that, or did you just realize by just observing things that that this is probably not something you want to? You want to go without, go just follow without question. Was there any specific that went on that kind of, kind of stirred your, your critical thinking there? Yeah, sometimes with the ex members, um, I, and I, with this, like, I really don't want to get into what in particular happened, but they, um, were mm-hmm. basically, not communicating or had excommunicated this guy and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, about a sexual encounter that he had. I mean, and Mm -hmm. with, you know, some girl and, um, I don't know. It was just, it was, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Um, I kind of wondered, uh, you know, what's like the big, you know, what, why? Like, uh, I mean, a sin is a sin, right? So, mm-hmm. actually, throughout, like, from age, like, I would say, like, 17 to 22, there were times where it's kind of like, I was like, well, I'm going to leave. And then, you know, I'd be gone for a couple of weeks, but I always came crawling back. And, um, like, if I got in an argument with somebody or, it, like, people in the church, it's kind of like, well, I think I'm going to leave this. And then I would even tell them, well, I'm going to leave. And then I would come crawling back eventually. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what they thought was going to happen, the, you know, that time. But that time I was like, no, because I knew it was going to happen. It was like, I knew, like, oh, well, if I were to show up to home church again, I'm going to be met with a group of 50 women, you know, sitting in a circle 
and they're going to basically go around and tell me how awful I am, and then that's going to be that. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) I knew that, like, if I came back, they'd probably, like, do that whole thing where it's like, you know, they take the vote oh, yeah. on, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Vote you off the island or keep you on. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I wasn't going to be humiliated in that oh, way. Yeah. Uh, nope. And so just like the commitment to the church, uh, why is it I should be here? Maybe I should, you know, be studying or whatever. And they kind of say, well, I mean, if you put the church first, um, you know, uh, God will take care of everything and make it work out. And I just kind of thought, well, I, I can't just skip class because cell groups going on, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So now, was this when you were 16, you were still in high school. Um, I was at this point, let me see. I was, I want to say, 18 when the Delashment Home Church split okay. and it turned into, uh, it turned into another home church. And it was, I would say it was like right before they split is when I started challenging the ideas and I went with the other home church. So I went through like three splits before, yeah, before I was gone. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and maybe getting lighter, why why does why do church fellowships in Zenith have to be split so often? Because the idea is to bring enough people into fellowship from the outside that they get enough numbers to break into two, so that way they can you know expand Zenos. Okay, so they can be made to, so they can be you know made to seem as if there's 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 growth, there's multiplication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it's really just, you know, a band of 30 people being turned into two bands of 15. Correct. You know, and that's supposed yeah. to, supposed to show just growth when it's just, just, uh, you know, basically, yeah. show, you know, it's a shell game, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah. so what, so what, uh, what would happen? What would you say? You, you would, you would just kind of share your thoughts and these things and, 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 and who would typically have to sit you down? How was it done there? I mean, just uh, other members of the home church would kind of correct me and put me in my place or whatever, you know, get, talk to me about it, sit me down. Um, and uh, they would kind of, you know, lecture me into, well, this is why we do this. This is why we do that. This is how it is. Um, and, you know, we'll be praying for you and, you know, <laughs> yeah. all this, that, and the other, and um, I, I mean, the older I got, the more I would kind of challenge a lot of their stuff, you know, all the stuff, but then, I, like I said, as I got older, things just got, you know, <laughs> worse and worse for me in there, <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. And that was just because you, you the, just the whole, I guess, the, 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 you know, the tension and having to deal with you know, the, the struggle, you know, to seem like you're complying with something you don't really, you don't necessarily agree with. Uh, that, that's, well, a, that's a lot yeah. on you. Well, yeah, because I loved them. And just stuff, you know, like I said, started to spiral. Um, like I said, you know, with uh, the anorexia and stuff like that. And then I was diagnosed with 
um, bipolar disorder. Uh, when I was 19, the first time that I went away to treatment for the anorexia and then I was in a program outside of there before I left. And after I got back, it was a PHP where it's like a step down from like a, you know, inpatient residential. And, um, I mean, I was gone for a while. And then when I came back, I was in that PHP, and, uh, you know, I'll never forget it. I'm still friends with my case manager from the PHP to this day. And she was like, oh, man, I didn't like you in Xenos. <laughs> like, uh, she said, I mean, she didn't, what I mean is she didn't like the fact that I was in Xenos. So um, because right. of the way that they handle uh, mental illness and, you know, it's stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so as you're, so obviously, you know, there was a lot going on within you. You had a deep, you know, in, you know, um, mm-hmm. personal struggle within with it, with all those issues. Yeah, and I had a went, lot, I had a lot of problems because, you know, I had some issues in my childhood and I went through some, you know, childhood sexual abuse and then, you know, I was attacked no. when I was 22. Um, I was like raped and, yeah, attacked when I was 22 and, Um, it's just like, they, they're very into like victim blaming and, um, Mm -hmm. I would, I would challenge him on stuff like that. And cause of some of the stuff that they would say in response to all that. And, um, it just, it just really, uh, started to kind of tear away at me. Right. And you mentioned, as we were talking in the past, Mm -hmm. you mentioned, uh, that you felt like, you know, with all the turbulent, the, the tragic, you know, the tragedy and the sadness of the, the, just the devastation you had growing up, you know, without a father and, and, and with the situation where you were separated from him and, and you're just trying to, you know, work on those things. You, know, you, you mentioned as you got into, into Xenos more and more, you felt like the, you developed what you call a trauma bond. Maybe you could unpack a little more about that. You became bonded with Xenos. Uh-huh. There were things that, that were really eating you alive, but yet you felt very allied to them. And uh, Yeah, because uh, they're very kind of good at gaslighting you. Like with the... Um with mental, see, here's the thing with mental illness uh, and Xenos, uh, they, you know, I've heard mixed things. Um, I mean, I know I listened to one podcast. I think you might've been leading it where somebody said that they thought, uh, she was acting crazy and off her meds or something, but it was just kind of odd. They really encouraged me to go off of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. thinking, like I could just pray this away somehow. Um, but like the trauma bonding is based, it's, it's kind of like you, uh, are attached to somebody who is abusing you, treating you wrong. And it's just wild though, because, um, in Xenos, it's like, if you're not mentally well, if you're not, uh, put together, um, married, going to all the meetings every week, um, and you're, uh, you know, have this mental illness, um, they'll start leaving you out of things and kind of ostracizing you. And yeah. it's like somebody, here's the thing, somebody from the church can blatantly wrong you, just totally just blatantly wrong you. And if you try to call them out on it, all the members will defend them no matter how wrong they were because 
you know, you're the one with mental illness, so therefore you're wrong. Um, you're the right. one that's, you know, not okay, so therefore you're wrong. And it's like they'll go on, like, these, like, big, you know, vacations and stuff like that and um, kind of leave you out of it if you're mentally ill. Um, they just kind of, they it's like you're almost kind of ostracized and treated mm, differently. Right, right. And um, I just, I you know, after I was attacked and, uh, 2014, I moved in with a couple members from Xenos, and that's kind of when everything <laughs> blew up. Um, it was just, yeah, it was, it was, uh, not, not good at all, but I mean, it worked out for the better because that's how I ended up out of Xenos. So, you know, I had a suicide attempt while I was still in Xenos, and, um, you know, it was like they, they kind of said, like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's selfish. That's, you know, they get, ah, they all had a whole CT, like, meeting about how that's, you know, selfish and not okay, and, you know, other things kind of going on. And unfortunately, it's like throughout the years with me being in treatment and stuff, I have known people that have committed suicide. When I was in high school, uh, I knew a girl that had, you know, killed herself. I didn't see that coming. She wasn't in Xenos, but like, mm. she, um, you know, and that's kind of where I, you know, really started my first suicide attempts actually was when I was 13. Um, and, uh, but I didn't really tell people about that, you know, just it failed and, uh, that was that. And, um, but it's just like their, their view on, you know, suicide is, you know, it's a, it's murder. It's murder that you can't pray for forgiveness for because, you know, you're, you've killed yourself, you know? So it, I don't know. It's just, it's really, it's really, really, really sad. And I know that they've driven people to commit suicide. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, awful. Just, awful. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So. So let me see if I understand. So by the time you had started getting involved with, with Xenos, of course, obviously mm-hmm. you you felt like that, like like these these folks were your family, yeah, were, were giving you acceptance and love uh-huh. and, and and a sense of belonging yeah. and mission uh, that you'd never had before. But at the same time, you're struggling with you know your same sex you know attractions and, mm-hmm. and and of course drives. You're, you're you're feeling like you're you're trying to really struggle with these contradictory things. At the same time, you've been diagnosed as, as someone struggling with uh, first anorexia, which is which is a sign of deeper problems. Yeah, and, and and then finally you were diagnosed at the age of nineteen as actually having bipolar. So yes. there's all kinds of mental health issues that you were struggling with. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. you, you did a really good job in, in keeping, I guess, that as hidden as you could from them. Uh, uh, yeah, ish. I mean, huh? um, okay. Thing about it is, it's uh, they they knew about it and stuff, but okay. uh, that's kind of how they started like ostracizing me and just treating me very much, you know, differently. I mean, you can't really hide anorexia. Um, you, I mean, for me, I got down to like 78 pounds and I almost died. Um, oh. and I didn't tell anybody about the childhood sexual abuse till I was 20. That was my, uh, I told it to my caseworker at the PHB. Like I said, I'm still friends with her to this day. Yeah. Um, and then after I, uh, told her I was just really struggling with like yeah. PTSD episodes and stuff. And then of course, like I said, I got attacked in 2014. I remember, like, some of the. I remember after it happened, um, because the detectives, they, like, took my cell phone, they took my, 
like car. They had to like do this whole big investigation. A couple, uh, two members came and picked me up and I basically told them in the car what had happened. And, um, they got real quiet and, you know, there's a lot of misogyny in Xenos, by the way, but like they said, well, we're mad at you. And I said, what do you mean? They said, we've had, you know, we've had discussions before about men's sexual nature and, you know, how, uh, men can't control themselves, uh, around women and, you know, women and men should not be hanging out by themselves. So you shouldn't have gone over there and been hanging out with him. So therefore you're not completely a victim. That's exactly a quote. You are not completely a victim. Yeah. yeah. And I, the thing about it is the guy that did this to me, I had no indication, none that he would do something like that. And I was actually going to try and bring this, you know, person into Xenos and, um, they, and then when I was telling the other members about like what they had said, they defended them. And I'm like, you have got to be joking me right now. Like that's ridiculous. I mean, seriously, <laughs> there just can't be a more crushing thing than for someone struggling as you were with all on you, all that was saddling your, you, and then you get, you get raped, you get attacked, you get uh-huh. brutalized by, by this guy. And then, and then you're the black, you're then in the end, you're the bad guy. You deserve this. This is all your fault. Well, they said that I should have known better because yeah. you know, there was also an incident when I was in high school where I had been really drunk and, you know, hanging out and woke up to this kid, like, you know, doing some really, really inappropriate things to me. And so they're like, well, you should know better. And I'm like, well, <laughs> but I wasn't given any kind of, you know, indication that he wanted to do this to me. You know what I mean? It's like he, here's the thing from the second he saw me, he knew what he wanted to do. And, you know, he was going to, you know, get, you know, get me somehow or another, I would, I would imagine. So, yeah. and they would, they would tell me things like it's, it, uh, that I dress, you know, immodestly, but I feel like I didn't dress as immodestly as anybody else around there. I mean, um, but here's the thing. If you think about it in the Amish community, there's a ton of, you know, essay going on sexual assault, you know, um, and and those women dress, you know, they, they cover themselves from their neck to their, you know, toes. So (laughs) I really don't understand. They say it's, you know, a a man's sin nature. It's his, you know, sexual sin nature. And that's just what, you know, happens if you're tempting a man. I was not tempting a man. (laughs) Right. So. Right. It doesn't matter if if you're not, if you're not complying with a completely arbitrary standard of of behavior they want you to live by. If If you're found out in some way, it's 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 proof that you that you're the one really that enticed them that that brought them on. Yeah, it's that's always always the always the the modus operandi of really abusive, horribly abusive situations and people is that when they blame victims, you know, uh, regardless yeah. re- regardless how you dress, regardless what you did, you know, if, if your intent wasn't there, it wasn't there. It was it was still a crime. And well, to me, I just don't, I don't see how a, a supposed church can so easily just, 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 uh, turn victims into, into, into the villains. It's just, it's just un- unfathomable. Right. Well, and I have one friend and I think he is still in, uh, Xenos. I haven't seen him in about a year. Um, you know, I used to hang out all the time, but, um, I, 
they were basically kind of pushing us to date. And I said, no, you know, and he asked me out and I said, no. And, you know, he was, he was totally respectful. So, I mean, you know, clearly like their point is, you know, mutt because, you know, he's a respectable person. He, you know, uh, took no, uh, you know, as, an answer you know he uh he's like okay and he dropped it and he never brought it up again um i don't i don't know that he's still deeply involved because last time we hung out he said uh he wasn't really going as much um but when he found out what had happened to me when i told him um he had just uh started dating um some girl and brought her to home church and it was her first time at home church the night that I told him what had happened to me and he started he got so mad he like took the ashtray outside and broke it and his girlfriend was looking out the window like is everything okay and the other members told me that I should apologize and um I should not have told him what had happened when his girlfriend was visiting the home church, like that I shouldn't have um, because, you know, he flipped out and it was a bad impression. But I feel like his I don't think that he was flipping out. I mean, he was angry that somebody would do that to me. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, but the other members were like, why would you tell him that, you know, when his girlfriend is visiting the home church, that was inappropriate, and you need to apologize. And I'm like, apologize for what? I'm telling a friend that I was attacked. Right. So. And, 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 and God forbid you should let anybody know that anyone within within Xenos can, can, can be so... Uh, just so so immoral as to allow themselves to be to be to be attacked that way. It's, 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 yeah. The shame's always they always feel a shame that isn't theirs, and and and, and then they impose it right back on you, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and they imagine themselves as, as being these these horrible victims when really you know just plain old fashioned you know christian christian compassion for for anyone wounded or hurting you know just it just escapes them i'm just always amazed to hear how all this always goes on but you, again you 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 are not alone you you certainly heard this over and over again uh, mm-hmm. in all among all the people i've spoken to and and right. and, and, yeah. and, I, and this isn't me i don't i don't bring this stuff up i'm not imagining it. it's it's what you and others are saying yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, when I had told them about, you know, some of the, uh, you know, um, sexual abuse I went through as a kid, like as a real young, you know, child, they basically said, well, oh, you know, just kind of pull yourself up by, you know, your bootstraps and pray for that person. And I'm like, I'm thinking in the back of my head, pray for what, that he gets hit by a bus? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, so they're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, whatever. And I didn't, I just kind of stopped, you know, yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about that. But you know, it's just, you know, the trauma bonding thing, it's kind of like uh, the very people that originally told me the attack was my fault. I moved in with them. And, um, that's when, you know, stuff really kind of hit the fan. Like, oh, well, you should really try to go off your medication. You should, you know, really, and so I, I did exactly that. I, even though I was wanting to, uh, you know, eventually, you know, graduate from nursing school and become like a psychiatric nurse, I, um, 
I did exactly that. I went off my meds thinking, okay, well, uh, all right, let me give this, maybe, maybe they're right. No, they were not right. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really ugly when I go off my meds, you know, it's, things can get quite ugly and, um, it was very, very, very ugly. Um, I, you know, basically just neglected everything, neglected myself, neglected my room, neglected, you know what I mean? And I was just so not okay. And I literally told them one day, I was like, well, I feel like I'm just dying inside. And she, they said, don't feel sorry for yourself. Mm. And, um, I mean, I started actually taking shots of like alcohol even to go to sleep at night. And of course they, you know, didn't like that very much. And, um, I didn't like that very much. You get a shot of alcohol. I mean, with all the booze that flows in that place, why is that a problem? Um, cause when you're doing it every night, they don't like that. (laughs) So, yeah. And I mean, of course, then your tolerance builds up and stuff. And so it's just like, yeah, I was, I was, you know, throwing it back way more than I should have been. And, um, of course, like I said, you know, I was like neglecting everything, neglecting myself, neglecting my room, neglecting to, you know, do stuff that I'm supposed to do. But of course I'm off my meds. Like what do you think's going to happen? And they literally, um, one day, like when I was out of the house, they packed up all my stuff and threw it outside and, um, they, uh, text me, you might want to come get your rabbit. They left my pet rabbit out in the rain. And, um, yeah, and then I got, you know, messages from members basically saying that, you know, I need to experience the world and, you know, this and that. And then, uh, you know, don't, right. don't come back until you've, you know, shaped yourself up and, you know, luckily I had two friends take me in and, um, I was hospitalized, um, after that, that was 2015. I was in the hospital for quite a minute and, um, they, I, I tell you what, the Xenos people, they never reached, I mean, they knew I was in the hospital. My dad told them, I mean, because my dad knew because my mom was communicating with them and, they uh, never once reached out to me to see if I was okay or whatever. I mean, 13 years of them being like family and they, uh, they don't, you know, want to know if I'm even doing okay. Like, come on. Yeah. It, it was just really sad. Uh, but then, you know, that's, that's the way of Xenos. They, um, once you're like thrown out or you leave or, you know, whatever, it's like you're dead to them no matter how long you've been in you know, yeah. the church. So, and, um, there was, you know, with the eating disorder thing, there was another woman named, uh, I'm not going to say her name actually, but, um, she was trying to disciple me when I was about 18 years old. And, um, she said that she had been like bulimic for a real long time or something like that. And, you know, I, at that point was still in my eating disorder in secrets. And I, um, had mentioned to her when she had brought that up that she used to be bulimic that um I was actually struggling with like purging disorder like I didn't binge but I would eat and throw it up and she um I had been praying up to that point that somebody like I could talk to somebody about it because I thought it was going to kill me and she um so when she told me that I like started crying and I told her like what had happened and uh, I mean, you know, what's been going on anyway, uh, for a real long time. And she, um, 
was kind of, you know, supportive and, you know, the, uh, whatever. And then when it spiraled into anorexia for me and it just happened to turn into anorexia, I mean, nothing, you know, I mean, I just started restricting and then boom, that was that. Uh, she went around and told everybody that she had mentioned to me that she used to have an eating disorder and that I was, quote, copying her. Your, 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 your count, your discipler mm-hmm. was telling you that was tell that that your issues were were stemming from your desire to copy her. Yeah, make she sure, said, well, make sure I understand that like correctly. Yeah, because when I started losing a ton of weight and I got you know super thin and I really couldn't hide it anymore, um, she she had told ever she went around and told everybody, including my father, that uh, she was concerned that. Um, she gave me the idea, even though I had told her, like, I've been struggling, you know, with this since I was in, like, middle school. Uh-huh. Yeah. At, at what level do all these, I mean, you mentioned, and we've mentioned this on our podcast here, and you're just proving it again, that, you know, these people who claim to be your your mentors, spiritual counselors, claim that to somehow, they also somehow, excuse me, they also somehow the lay claim to the belief that they are also qualified to give you mental health and medical advice and tell no. you to take it off your meds or, or, or go to doctors or not go to them. I mean, this seems to be an ongoing thing that goes on in Zenos all the time. Yeah, well, my discipler wasn't a counselor in the church. I, luckily, I never ended up seeing one of those. Um, I don't know how I avoided that. I really don't. I mean, you would think that they would have, you know what I'm saying? But like disciplers, they're not necessarily, um, like counselors. Disciplers are basically a person that you look up to that is kind of like respected within your home church that can kind of guide, you know, a, a, another person that's, you know, either younger or, um, you know, or just brand new to Christianity, for example, um, that person will disciple you, will kind of like mm. take you under their wing and, you know, you'll meet up for like Bible studies and stuff like that. And at that time, her and I were um, meeting up because she had some kind of book written by one of the elders in the church and she um, wanted me to study it with her and stuff. So, okay. So as you so as that developed though, you, you were getting all these individual voices coming at you from all different levels of, of direction, people who were who clearly uh were, were were looking down at you from a hierarchy, from yeah. from from the people from within the house church on down. You were getting people who were giving you all the static and all these signals that you know there were certain standards you're going to live by, and of course you're going to do your best to to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And and I guess the balancing act just got too much as you started asking questions about it. Yeah. And so as you asked questions and found that uh, there were issues there that they weren't willing to really do to, to dialogue with you upon, you begin to get began to be marked as someone that that uh, needs to be put in their place, and then. When you didn't, and then when you apparently got a, uh, became the, became the, the subject of this horrible victimization when you were attacked, so they began, they began to realize, you know, maybe you really are just damaged goods. Maybe you're really not really cut out to be a monk. So that's when they cut you loose. 
Oh yeah. I, I mean, and after that, it was like, you know, I had yeah. a lot of issues for, you know, a while with different things. I mean, just like, you know, self-harm, uh, you know, I mean, I was kind of, you know, engaging in some self-harm before that, but it was just like all, you know, just different types of just, you know, and I did trouble was too, like being thrown out into the world like that. Um, you're not always exactly, you know, socially appropriate. Um, you know, I was very highly politically incorrect. I was, you know, um, telling jokes that were not, you know, appropriate or funny or, you know what I mean? It's just like stuff. I was just basically kind of saying stuff that you don't say, um, because mm-hmm. I, that's what I was used to. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird that like, you know, stuff that's not, you know, PC, et cetera, et cetera. He, you know, a lot of that right. is kind of thrown around Xenos, you know, even, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it be like racist stuff or, you know, uh, classist jokes or, you know, just like, just stuff like that. I just kind of, you know, blurt things out and think it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And people would, you know, correct me. And I, <laughs> you know, luckily my friends outside of Xenos stuck with me, you know, through yeah. all that. Um, yeah. you know, they just kind of corrected me gently, like, Hey, that's not cool. Um, <laughs> so, right. so yeah. was it after when they finally, like you mentioned, they finally, you know, basically, you know, cast your drift. And you're, they left your stuff and your rabbit out in the rain and, and you found friends to help you. Was it at that point you began to get the, the really serious, uh, help that you needed? You, yes. went, you went to the, you went to the, to the, uh, rehabilitation center? Um, I mean, the first, no, my first, uh, eating disorder treatment was when I was still in Venus. I mean, that was when I went to Illinois, but then, yeah, I've gotten further help for that outside of, okay. uh, Xenos as well, um, you know, uh, like a residential or something like that. Okay. And, um, they, uh, yeah, so I've actually had to, you know, go through, um, you know, eating disorder treatment, you know, several, you know, a couple different times. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then of course, you know, I see a therapist now and I mean, I've been seeing her for a couple of years and she is a absolutely just wonderful human being. And she's been, Good. you know, she's been very patient and her and I, you know, I, I feel like I click with her and she's definitely helped me a lot the last couple, you know, years that I've seen her. She's been wonderful. So. Okay, great. So you're doing better now. Obviously, you've been you've gotten the help you you need to get, and it came from yeah, professional I counseling feel, and even a stay at a hospital. I, say say that again. You even got help uh, by having to go to rehab, basically. Um. Yeah. So I mean, a psychiatric hospitalization is a little different than a rehab. Um. But yeah, I went. Yes, I was. Um, yeah, like hospitalized for, you know, mood stabilization. Absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, I've been to uh, a couple different like resident, you know, like residentials yeah. for, uh, yeah. eating disorder. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been able to, you know, <laughs> steer clear of like, you know, residential settings and stuff. Um, luckily, because the thing about it was, I never wanted to be sick like that. Um, right. The thing about anorexia is it's not really a choice. It's, it's like, for me, it's like a type of OCD in a sense. Um, 
you just, uh, it's like this tyrant in your head that is just constantly screaming at you to do this, this, and this, and this, you know. And the thing about, here's the thing about anorexia in particular, when you're more focused on that than anything else, um, you don't have to think about anything bad going on in your life because you're focused on that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a distraction in a sense. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, think about this all day, every day. I don't think, I don't need to think about my past traumas. I don't need to think about, um, you know, stuff that's going on currently. I don't need to think about, I'm just focused on this. And I always, you know, I wanted to get better. And, um, you know, I mean, of course, slip ups happen along the way. But a lot of them, it's like I've been able to at least kind of like pull myself, you know, out of it and pull myself together. So, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, it's like I see, you know, a therapist now. And like I said, she's, she's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, she's, you know, been helping me a lot like the past, you know, several years with, you know, various, various things. So, yeah, I feel like everybody that's, you know, gotten out of Xenos or Dwell, whatever, um, they should be, uh, you know, going to therapy. So, you know, like right. see somebody, get help, right. you know, because you're going to probably need it. Yeah. And, it, you know, the thing about it, too, is I just, I see such a, it, you know, within Xenos Dwell, it's like a failure, like coming from the top up because, you know, I went to a Christmas party or it was either Christmas or New Year's, I don't remember, um, with Xenos Dwell and, um, they, you know, I had told Bev, you know, like what had happened to me as far as like getting attacked. And I mean, she knew about like the creepy thing that happened with me in high school and stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's like I had mentioned to her, like, well, you know, some of the other members are kind of, a, you know, saying it's, you know, my fault. And she's like, hmm, she really didn't, you know, do much about it. And, you know, it's like the, I'm sorry, but, you know, if you're, if you and your husband are kind of running this organization, you know, you might want to step in and do something about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of like the more that I look back on it, it's, um, and I still love them to death with all my heart. I really do. But it's just, it's just, this isn't acceptable behavior from, <laughs> Right. A lot, you know, the members and, um, it's just kind of ironic because I think she was, um, part of like the whole like Grace Haven Foundation where they started this whole organization for, uh, at risk youth that, um, are prostitutes and, you know, basically to save them from that life. But, you know, it's acceptable to, you know, badger you know, your members about getting attacked, like that's kind of, that's kind of sick. I mean, but of course they also prey on vulnerability. You know, my first job out of nursing school was a, uh, I was a drug and alcohol detox nurse slash psychiatric nurse because it was the first job um, offered to me because I had moved in with my father in 2019, four years after, you know, uh, basically getting, you know, thrown out of CNOS there and, uh, I mean, that was a disaster. He also um, was very, like, you know, controlling and basically telling me, like, well, I don't think you need those medications, and I think you know it, too. And I'm like, trust me, I do. <laughs> so, um, but, like, it was he, – he was living with a couple other guys from Xenos, and he's like, well, this is kind of a ministry house in a sense, you know? 
and it it was just a horrible experience and I relapsed really bad with anorexia but then it's like when I got my own place and moved out it was um fine but like the thing about like the uh detox uh you know nursing thing was I started finding all these books written by Dennis McCallum laying around you know in the common area you know at the nurses station at you know, and I'm like, really? you, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm like, where did these books come from? Some dude from Xenos, I guess, was coming in and talking to the patients and, you know, telling him to read this book by Dennis McCallum and da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, no. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And um, well, I started asking my patients. How was somebody like this? I mean, was he part of staff there? Was he a... Uh... A minister, so-called, talking so, How did he get this, access? So this was well, well. No, here there's so there's two people. Let me tell you. So um, oh this was, so right be, so right before COVID is when this was going on, and you know, like I said, I had just moved into my apartment. I was starting to do better. You know, I had I was starting to pull myself together. You know, from the anorexia again, and um, but like you know, I'm working this job here, and. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it's like I'm seeing all these books by Dennis McCann, right? So apparently this guy was coming in, um, a minister from Xenos and okay. trying to basically disciple all these, you know, at-risk people. And I, I started asking some of the patients, I said, so where'd these books come from? Oh, yeah, it's that guy that comes on Sundays. He's from... He's from uh, Xenos, and this was right before they changed their name to Dwell. And I was like, okay. And I said, is he telling you guys that you guys need to, like, maybe check Xenos out when you all get out of here? They're like, yes. And I said, I'm not sure you want to do that. So then another kid comes up to me, and I guess there was an aide working there, like a a tech, like a, uh, I forget what they called him, RA or something like that. Um, And... Uh, I guess the, this guy that was, you know, also working there as a tech, like a, whatever, Nate, he was, he gave this boy his phone number and, um, said, well, yeah, you should really come and check out Xenos. You know, you're about the age that you could live in one of the ministry houses. So that way, when you get out of here, you're going to have a place to live and, you know, uh, place to worship and i i told that boy i said you better not i said uh you know that's i said first of all um you know be one thing if you know he you you know was saying like hey you know we we're going to naaa whatever what you know we get out of here or something but you know it's another thing when you're giving you know him your personal information trying to get him into like a ministry house i said i was a member there for 13 years and listen they prey on vulnerability so so you were there was this a was this a, a hospital you said you're at I work at a hospital now, um, but no, this was like a dual diagnosis facility, kind of like a somewhat residential setting. Um, so we treated like uh, detox and substance abuse, um, but we also treated mental health. So, I mean, we were primarily like, you know, you had to have like a substance used to be there. Yeah. And, um, I, it was the first job offered to me and I needed to get out of my, you know, that, uh, my dad's ha- you know, my dad and his roommate's house. Yeah. I had to get out of there. So I just, I took that, you know, the first job offered to me, which was that. And, uh, yeah. And I just could not believe that they were like infiltrating, you know, the, 
a place like that. But of course, from my understanding of my, uh, my case manager from the eating disorder facility had told me that, uh, I guess when I was there, they were kind of like infiltrating the family groups too, which I mean, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that just goes sad, you know. I mean, Xenos being the virus that it is, it's basically a a cancer that cannot live without normal, healthy cells of of, yeah. of life. You know, it mm-hmm. makes sense for them to be doing that. I mean, we we've already earlier this year had a had a, a lady on here who was who we whose podcast we had to pull, uh, who basically observed how Xenos invaded her church. And, we did, and we've known this has been going on for years, and and and, yeah. and she just provided incredible testimony, and we've uh, made our own statements about that. But, but it, so it just goes, it just goes stands the reason that you know, well, Zenos is going to infiltrate wherever it can find open ground to spread itself, and of course, yes. uh, mental health facilities not uh, are just certainly the places where, of course, their ministry would certainly want to reach out to. Right. And I just, I, um, like I said, you know, I'm a nurse there and, you know, it's kind of disturbing when a patient, you know, comes up to you and was, oh, well, yeah, you know, this guy that works here gave me his uh, phone number and basically yeah. told me to like move in with like a ministry house and, you know, that they got all these great things for, you know, people that, you know, have these types of issues and, I'm like, well, uh, I said, you may not want to do that. Oh, but he's really cool. I said, yeah, you know, that's the scary thing about Xenos, right? You, you go to CT, there's nothing to see, really. I mean, you go to one of their home churches, there's really nothing to see. It's not until it, they're very insidious with the way that they reel you in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, before, you know, before you realize you're getting gaslit and everything else, it's like you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? It's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and you're, you're part of it and you, uh, you know, it's by the, by the time you, I feel like one of two things is going to happen. It's, or I should say one of three things is going to happen. You're either going to continue to drink the Kool-Aid or, you know, you're going to get thrown out or you're going to realize, well, Hey, this is really not okay. And I'm going to leave. But the way that I see it is if you're not mentally ill, you know, you're straight, you're married, or, you know, God forbid you date somebody outside the church. You, they don't like that. Um, you know, it's like you better try to reel them in or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But it's just like if you're dating somebody in the church or married, not mentally ill, and you're going to all the meetings and you're, you know, happy-go-lucky and normal about it, then okay, well, I mean, I guess, you know, Xenos is right for you. But, I mean, if you're an actual human being and not a robot, well, you might have problems. So <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as a sad thing about human minds, they tend to want to think, and, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, in a place like Xenos, uh, that sort of, of intolerable of faculty can't can't be allowed. It's got to be controlled. It's got to be curated. Right, and I mean, and it's just like I don't know. They gave me all types of you know crap throughout the years, like saying that I was uh, making my rabbit, my pet rabbit, an idol. Because I loved her too much. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of ridiculous things like that going on, which, I mean, you know, I still have that rabbit today. She's older and dirt, but I still have her. <laughs> Good to hear. And uh, Good it's to just hear. like, yeah, it's just kind of like they, you know, they, um, 
I I don't know. They're 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 a little you know weird. <laughs> and looking back on it, it's like, yeah. well, you know, all the kids approaching me in high school, like. <laughs> Yeah. Asking if it's a cult. Well, they were right. So I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's just the most. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's always to me the most the most saddest of situation to behold is when you see a group of people wanting to sincerely uh, do their best for what they believe is is making a better world. When it, and and you really only muddy the waters. Uh, you and, know what they say: the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? That's what they say, and they're yeah. not wrong. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they're not wrong. It really is. Right. How how did as you left? I mean, I mean, obviously you were you were expelled and and, and you began to pull yourself together. Um, how did how in reflecting back on that now? How did all of their uh, all of the highest at, spiritual aspirations they would point you to Bible studies and sermons and 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 all these these devotional thoughts about about God and loving people and, and making a difference. Looking back at that now, what you heard them tell you about how how do you reconcile that to where you at now? I mean, I mean, I mean, what was it like for you to, to have to? Living among people who who taught you the most ultimate of truths out of the most ultimate of authorities, and yet were so so completely at odds with what they claim to believe. You mean like how does that influence me today? Or yeah, how yeah like, how did how did it affect you? I mean, you went through all these years of going all these Bibles. Like yeah, how how did how has that left you? Where where are you at with that? Well, I mean, it was really kind of hard to rebuild myself. Like I just was, I was a mess for, you know, a while. But then after about like two years, you know, I was like, I, you know, I went, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I've, I've always had a love for people, you know, I mean, even though I've been through some really awful things, I've never let that like influence my love for humanity, which is, you know, why I'm a registered nurse, you know, on a busy hospital floor and, you know. Now it's, um, uh, but I feel like it's made me very aware, like almost too much. So, um, you know, I'm very, I'm a very highly sensitive person Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I don't think people, you know, realize, you know, it's like my history. Um, (laughs) I mean, I, you know, if they hear this, they will, but it's just kind of like, um, I'm I'm a very just you know very highly sensitive person. I almost kind of sometimes feel like it's I can almost kind of like read people you know like a book in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I tune into things that a lot of people don't see, and um, a, a lot of times I'm right. To be honest with you, it's just like a lot of times I'm right. And you know I've had patients you know even now at the hospital even though I'm on a medical floor you know I'm not working psych anymore you know I'm on like a really you know I'm on a med surge floor but um it's just like I've had patients that um uh, will um tell me stuff that uh and they say well I've never told anybody that in my life and you know don't repeat it and I'm like okay I won't you know I won't but it's just like I I just I haven't let them like destroy my love for humanity however as far as like, you know, religion goes, I would say I'm kind of a, you know, Unitarian type of, you know, thing going mm-hmm. on, you know, kind of, right. you know, all kinds of, you know, I just, I, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the right road is, but you know, it's like, I mean, if somebody wants to say a Christian prayer with me, I will, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously if they ask me to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know, 
sacrifice an animal and pray to the devil. Of course, I'm not going to do that, you know, but but it's just like, yeah. but, you know, it's like if somebody wants to pray with, okay, I'll pray, you know, I'll go to church with you. I'll check this out. I'll check that out and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I, but I mean, I have never, you know, one thing that I vowed, like as soon as they kind of kicked me to the curb is I was, you know, I realized, I said, well, you know, they weren't, they weren't the right ones, but that doesn't mean that I should lose faith in humanity and just hate people and, you know, never trust again, because there's really great people out there. So, yeah. And and I'm glad you haven't, Jim, because you certainly seem to be a very compassionate, very fun, uh, very, very, uh, very, you know, just very open person. And I'm glad that those unique gifts and skill sets you have and Mm -hmm. sensitivity for people and, uh, obviously has not waned. I mean, you've chosen a vocation that's very noble, nursing mm-hmm. and serving people to, for healing. Uh, that's, right. that's a wonderful calling and that's a wonderful yeah. thing to do. And, and so, the thing, yeah, and the thing about it was like my first time in nursing school, I had to like basically drop out because I had kind of like a medical emergency from the anorexia, like in that was 2014. And I had to pick up three years later where I left off or, you know, if I didn't pick up right then, I would have had to have started the whole program over and I don't think I would have ever finished it, but you know, it's just like, you know, um, but at that point though, like when I went back and I was healthier and I was doing a lot better, um, I did really, I did really, really, really well. And I mean, part of it was, you know, I was out of that, you know, controlling environment. I think part of the eating disorder too is like, you know, it's like, you want control over your life and an environment like that, you don't really have, you know, that much control. It's like even one of the elders said in a teaching, um, I think it was Bev actually that like autonomy is a sin. So, and thinking for yourself is a sin. And I mean, I know that there was some, yeah, I know that there was some debate over exactly what she meant by that, like after the teaching, but I mean, that sounded a little clear. That's not a pretty clear cut to me. So, I was like, yeah, she uh, said autonomy is a sin. Yeah. Yeah, she sure did. Like, yeah, autonomy is a sin thing. You know, thinking about people are like, oh, I think what she meant is, you know, the Holy Spirit needs to guide your, you know, thinking and stuff like that. I'm like, well, but I mean, but I don't you guys always say at the same time, though, that God gave us free will. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. So, well, God yeah. gave well in Zenos' view. If God gives you free will, then then really He gives you free will to choose their way. You know, oh then, yeah. You know, uh-huh. There's only right. one. There's only so many questions you can ask, and there's only so many yeah. approved answers you can get. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, the best answers are that that you'll end up uh, being in OSU for four years, and then. Uh, and then just becoming uh, a house group leader somewhere and making more help. Yeah, I know they yeah, don't want you to so, go to college out of state and stuff. That's, right, why, exactly, they, that's so. why they try to draw on the youth. It's because they, you know, before you make, you know, big life decisions. Is, <laughs> so. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah. so how are you feeling about your life now? You seem to feel like uh, you've got a better beat on things since uh, putting Xenos behind you. Um, yeah, usually, I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I mean, like I have, you know, issues here and there, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, issues with my mood issues, 
you know, with, you know, different, I mean, you know, thoughts even about like, um, you know, eating disordered, you know, thoughts and stuff like that. It's still, I mean, I feel like that kind of stuff is never really going to go away, but I mean, here's the thing. Here's what I say. I say I'm okay and I'm okay with being okay. You know what I mean? But I am definitely way more content with my life since, you know, I've got my own apartment, you know, I've got my cats and my rabbit, you know, I, um, you, I do, you know, a bunch of art projects, you know, when I'm not working or I'm hanging out with my friends and it's just, you know, a good, you know, wholesome time with my friends too. And, um, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. So it's, I mean, of course, you know, life isn't all like rainbows and sunshine, but you know, it's, sure. I, I just, I feel like I have way more peace. You know what I mean? Now that I've got a career that right. I've got, you know, stuff to do, I can just kind of do my own thing and, you know, just go on with life, I guess. <laughs> so. Right. Good. Well, mm-hmm. God gave you, gave you a life and he certainly means for you to live it out, you know, and mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it's a, a, a an unspiritual thing to say that, you know, living life itself can be a, a spirituality. Uh, it certainly yeah. can be that way. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think there's still something to be said for being in touch with, with, with God as you understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, if you want to use that term, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, but he is, as I, as I view him to be someone that, that gave us, you know, a life to live and that free will. And, uh, you, you, and you've taken the faculties he's given you and you've, mm-hmm. and you've moved beyond them and you're trying to, to do something better with that. And I, I do appreciate your coming on to kind of share us what, what, um, sometimes the, uh, where the road can lead you, especially when you don't conform in a place right. like Xenos. So, yeah. Um, as we close here, um, is there anything you'd like to say or anything, any last word you'd like to provide for us or to maybe for someone maybe that might still be in Xenos or, or just something you'd like to say to, to people in the world at large? I mean, I'll, I'll give you the floor the last few minutes and you just, just kind of share who you are and, and well, uh, yeah, one thing I'm going to say is I'm not out to destroy anybody or even, you know, destroy uh the church or you know what I mean um I don't think that the elders I don't you know I still love Bev and Gary with all my heart I really do um I I'm not here you know to villainize them or anybody else but I think it's they're very misguided I think it's a very 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 just a broken system and to people that are still in Xenos and they're thinking about leaving Xenos, um, just do it. Just do it. I mean, they're not going to miss you anyway, really. I mean, I, I mean, they might, but they're not going to show it. You know, all these relationships that you think that you have that are so deep and powerful, when you leave, you're going to realize how shallow they really were because they're not going to check on you or anything else. I mean, it's just you're, you're, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, and I don't want to sound harsh, but you're replaceable in that system. So just, just leave, just leave. You know, there's life will go on. There is life outside of Xenos. There is, or dwell, I guess now, but, um, life. Yeah. I mean, life will just, you know, continue on. I mean, it's, you'll meet new people and develop, you know, true meaningful friendships and, you know, that'll be that. Um, there's plenty of other churches out there. I know that Xenos likes to say there isn't, but there is. And, uh, there's 
plenty of great people in those churches, and a lot of them are, you know, especially in Columbus, aware of what, you know, Xenos Well is, and, you know, they'll help you through that. They'll help you, you know, through the idea that you should just be totally committed to these people in this place. But, you know, it, it, what I'm going to say is it gets better. It does. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so, and, that yeah. is, and that is a message we've heard from so many. Is that life, yes. there is life beyond Xenos. And, yep. and, and it can be so much more enriching than they want you to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So. That's, yep, that's where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. That's the story, and we're going to stick to it because I know yep. it's the truth. This, and I yes. appreciate you coming on to share mm-hmm. your truth tonight, Kim. Thank you so very much for t- coming on. And thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Right. Thank you. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened, and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night, or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. All right. Moment of truth. Somebody's life's about to change.